Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Mangum. And I'm Mark Anderson. And this is another segment of World Impact News. Today, we're going to be bringing to you the topic of Trump's triumph and the Dems' downfall. In light of what's been going on with the impeachment, uh, where we can see a lot of different things happening, I think a lot of people really have a lot of questions about it, even some of the processes, Mark. They don't necessarily understand the legality of it. That's for sure. And how much of it, what we were seeing and what the media was showing was this political process. But to start out with, what a great day today where we saw President Trump at the National Prayer Breakfast. Here on February 6th. On February 6th as we're recording this. And as I was having my coffee, you're having your coffee, we get to see President Trump speaking at the National Prayer Breakfast. So what an awesome thing to go right out of this after being acquitted. And then even before that, right before the acquittal, what uh, president we have that would go and address the nation as and at the State of the Union and uh, this to, to show forth actually the triumph that we are experiencing as a republic. Because as part of this, Mark, it wasn't just an attack against Trump or his family, but it was an attack against our republic and the democracy, the de- democratic processes that are within that republic. So, oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, here it is on the wake, uh, the brink is, you know, the, the 11th hour, the, he's on the brink of having that final vote on whether to acquit him or not. He goes ahead and does the State of the Union. That's rather gutsy. Uh, other presidents cut from a different cloth. Uh, you know, Trump's cut from a rather unique cloth. He's not your everyday Republican, right. let alone your everyday politician. He's not really a politician, as we've said yeah. before on this show. He's a businessman applying different principles, including Christian principles. Exactly. But what's interesting is, here it is, it's the 11th hour. It's unlikely, but still conceivable he could be removed from office. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. He does his State of the Union, lists a lot of accomplishments, Pretty broad-sounding, uh, sometimes overly rosy-sounding stuff, but much of it very concrete, very credible, very true. Yes. And and yet he, he does that speech, does the State of the Union. You see Nancy Pelosi apparently tearing up her copy of the speech that he gave her right. on national TV, knowingly and willfully doing that, yes. and wearing that white outfit in solidarity with her Democrat sisters and brothers out in the audience who are separatists. Right. They're separatists from the government. They, they don't want to dress like you. They don't want to think like you. They don't want to obey the same constitution that you read. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Democratic Party has become um, a, a rebellious and, and um, uh, really fading into history kind of party. Right. It, it can't have long. Yeah, I think, Mark, uh, it's interesting to me, I think Jim Crow would be very proud that they picked white to wear. But anyway, yes. nonetheless, just a little... Yeah, yeah, we use we 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 bring a little humor to this too because we have to continue to have a sense of humor in all of this and not grow cynical. Yeah, the the more the more gritty humorists might say the only thing missing on the white suits was the hoods. Yeah. But at any rate, that aside, yeah, this is a very pivotal time. So Trump has emerged triumphant as we're calling this Trump's triumph and the Dems downfall. The Dems are showing their true colors. Right. Pardon the pun. And, and what Nancy Pelosi did uh, behind Trump at, in, at the end of his State of the Union. But what did you notice about her 
this morning, February 6th at the prayer breakfast. Wasn't there some more odd behavior by her, I understand it? I didn't see the whole thing. Yeah, actually, uh, she was invited. She actually was there on the platform, and she was asked to pray, which she got her notes out and got up there and pray and, and prayed. And I, I, I'll just tell you, Mark, I was, I was surprised. I, I, she didn't actually tear up her prayer uh, at the end of that. But it was, it was quite awkward. I mean, I will have to say, you know, even for me as a pastor, as a Christian, uh, to actually stomach that. Um, and she almost was on the coattails of an issue of prison and prison reform, which is something that the president is seriously doing and taking action to do. We, to do because we know that the prison system needs to be reformed. We're not going to be bringing that to you today. We'll talk more about that in another segment. But that's what she was there really to pray for is these people that are in prison that feel that they've been forgotten. And so kind of interesting there just to see her on the coattails of some uh, uh, an initiative that President Trump is actively working and on. And she looked a bit like a fish out of the water. I she understand. was totally a fish out of the water. And, you know, President Trump did say some things probably that other presidents wouldn't have said because she was in the room. One of the statements he made, and then we'll continue on with the triumph, is that he does not like people that use their faith to do things that they know are wrong, as well as he doesn't like people that say they will pray for you, but you, they, they are not doing so. And so we can see that uh, element in there that where he actually addressed those things. Mitt Romney said he made the decision to impeach, to vote to impeach, to convict and remove President Trump because God told him to do so. So not the same God I serve, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he's a God of righteousness in this whole process of what we're bringing you today, the facts. And we're, and we're going to really challenge people, but we're going to bring you the facts of what happened, how it was done, and what, what was done properly, improperly, and how this impeachment really hoax um, is actually helping. And we can see that in the polls. We can see that in the support for Trump and the Republicans, uh, candidates that are out there, how it's actually helping them and causing the Democrats to, upon themselves, they're doing it to themselves, where they're actually destroying themselves. Yeah, they're on a downhill slide that I'm not sure can be arrested. And so, so to summarize that, President Trump dropped kind of a spiritual anvil in the middle of the room. Right. Boom. And kind of laid down the law in, in the sense that he's pointing out hypocrisy, he's right. pointing out people that are not acting with integrity. Exactly. And speaking of not acting with integrity, and you've got some points to bring up in a minute about asking why Senate candidates, senators who are presidential candidates, had no bother, no qualms about voting right. on whether to acquit uh, President Trump or not, whether to remove him from office or not. Before exactly. we get to that, uh, I think it's important to talk about in this video presentation of World Impact News, it's important to talk about what we take away from this besides what we've said so far. And one of the most important things, Jason, along with what you're about to explain, is that uh, a very sharp attorney who went to Harvard and Yale, Patrick Philbin, when him and Jay Sekulow and a couple other attorneys representing Trump's White House counsel 
went to the Senate floor on January 25th. That was a Saturday. I was having my tea that morning, too. And I watched a lot of that. And Philbin, as we'll hear in a brief segment here in a minute, uh, from that Senate floor speech, had a lot of interesting things to say. Most important thing, the most salient thing he said, was that, and you'll hear him describe it in just a moment, was that the House never had a full House vote to even authorize Schiff's committee to even begin impeachment proceedings around early September, which lasted some 70-plus days, going on like 75 or more days, well into December. I think the whole thing wound up uh, December 11th, and that counts the Judiciary Committee as well Mm -hmm. under uh, Nadler, Congressman Nadler. And so the House never authorized these committees, starting with Schiff and the Intelligence Committee, which had highly secretive, you know, almost star chamber kind of hidden, quasi-hidden meetings to begin with, cross-examination not allowed by Republican members of, uh, of the Congress, and all sorts of other irregularities and unorthodox behavior. But the bottom line is the House never authorized this to begin with, and because the House didn't authorize it, there was no empowerment given to the House committees under the full House, these House committees, they never had the authority to begin with to subpoena Trump. And that's why one of the two articles of impeachment, the one that said he obstructed Congress, was completely fallacious, completely bogus. That's why the House never authorized these committees to even do this. Therefore, they had no power of subpoena. And we'll hear Patrick Philbin explain it here in this segment right now. I'd like to start with one of the points that Manager Jeffries focused a lot on towards the end of the presentation yesterday related to the obstruction charge in the second article of impeachment because he tried to portray a a picture of what he called blanket defiance, that there was a response from the Trump administration that was simply, we won't cooperate with anything, we won't give you any documents, we won't do anything, and it was blanket defiance really without explanation that that was all there was, was just an assertion that we wouldn't cooperate. And he said, and I pulled this from the transcript, that President Trump's objections are not generally rooted in the law and are not legal arguments. That's simply not true. That's simply not true. In every instance, when there was resistance to a subpoena, resistance to a subpoena for a witness or for documents, there was a legal explanation of the justification for it. For example, they focused a lot on an October 8th letter from the counsel to the president, Pat Cipollone, but they didn't show you an October 18th letter, which is up on the screen now, that went through in detail why subpoenas that had been issued by Manager Schiff's committees were invalid because the House has not authorized your committees to conduct any such inquiry or to subpoena information in furtherance of it. And that was because the House had not taken a vote to authorize the committee to exercise the power of impeachment to issue any compulsory process. But let me turn to the specific issue of the invalidity of the subpoenas because they weren't supported by a vote of the House authorizing Manager Schiff's committees to exercise the power of impeachment to issue compulsory process. Manager Jeffries said that there were no Supreme Court precedents suggesting such a requirement 
and that every investigation into a presidential impeachment in history has begun without a vote from the House. And those statements simply aren't accurate. There is Supreme Court precedent explaining very clearly the principle that a committee of either House of Congress gets its authority only by a resolution from the parent body. United States versus Rumley and Watkins versus United States make this very clear. And it's common sense. The Constitution assigns the sole power of impeachment to the House of Representatives, to the House, not to any member, not to a subcommittee. And that authority can be delegated to a committee to use only by a vote of the House. It would be the same here in the Senate. The Senate has the sole power to try impeachments. But if there were no rules that had been adopted by the Senate, would you think that the majority leader himself could simply decide that he would have a committee receive evidence, handle that, submit a recommendation to the Senate, and that would be the way that the trial would occur without a vote from the Senate to give authority to that committee? I don't think so. It doesn't make sense. That's not the way the Constitution assigns that authority. And it's the same in the House. Here, there was no vote to authorize a committee to exercise the power of impeachment. And that was a very interesting statement by Patrick Philbin. Uh, And he's, of course, part of the White House legal counsel that was standing strong for President Trump during these impeachment proceedings. And Jason, you wanted to add some uh, major points about conflicts of interest in the Senate. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I will say this, too, because one of the issues, if I can just inject to the to some of the points and just what you listen to as well is that we can see it was more of a political process and not a legal process. There is procedures that they have to follow. And so one of the things was where they weren't able to actually ask questions themselves, question, you know, there's a legal process where if I'm being convicted for something and there's cross-examination and those things were totally prevented. But here are some other common Uh, things that are left out of the media regarding some conflicts of interest. And those are, one of the questions I bring to the listeners today is, how do senators running for president get to vote against their opponent? So there is four senators that are actually running for the presidency against President Trump as their opponent, yet they voted to impeach the president. That is a huge, in my opinion, conflict of interest. And I'll bring the point to you is when it was going through the impeachment inquiry and then they voted in the House to impeach, listen, ladies and gentlemen, Tulsi Gabbard, who is the only presidential candidate who is a U.S. representative that is still in the race, voted present. Why is that? Why didn't she vote to impeach? Why didn't she, which really in the House was to indict? Why didn't she vote to indict? Was it because of some great personal conviction she had based upon her belief system? That's what she makes you think she made the decision not to vote for the impeachment. Why Why is she the only one where she voted present? 
And I believe if we look there and if the question was posed and asked, we would see that there is procedure and policy because that would be the greatest, in my opinion, election tampering that could happen. And I believe that those four senators whose names are Michael Bennett, he's a senator from Colorado, Democrat senator from Colorado, Amy Klobuchar, she's a senator, Democratic senator from Minnesota, Bernie Sanders, who's a Democratic senator for Vermont, and Elizabeth Warren, who is a Democratic senator from uh, Massachusetts. They all voted to impeach and remove the president isn't that some sort of conflict of interest? Absolutely, and, and a bald-faced one at that. Right. It's not subterranean or behind some closed doors in a smoky room. It's out in front of everyone, like Nancy Pelosi tearing up Trump's State of the Union speech. And exactly. yes, Tulsi Gabbard at least evidently had the presence of mind to say, you know, I can't vote on an indictment against my would-be opponent. Exactly. You know, at least she has some principles. She served in the National Guard honorably. Uh, she's made a number of eloquent speeches, but who of all their potential candidates do the Democrats kick to the curb? Tulsi exactly. Gabbard. Exactly. And now they're, you know, they're pushing Mayor Pete, uh, who's come out neck and neck out of the Iowa caucuses with a lot of irregularities in the election process and the election machinery, uh-huh. neck and neck with Bernie Sanders. Um, Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana. At any rate, putting that aside... Um, and, and I want to say this too, Mark, just before I forget, is I want to quote a Bible scripture here for you regarding uh, Nancy Pelosi and her actions, just so we can put this in here so that you can see from a scriptural perspective, from a biblical perspective, something very important. Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. I wanted to make sure to put that in there because we saw that demonstrated at the State of the Union uh, where she ripped up in public view, just as we talked about earlier, in front of everybody, Mark, where she ripped it up, where... You know what? That's essentially what the Democrats want to do with the Constitution and yeah, Bill of Rights and Declaration of Independence and everything else that it, America stands for. Exactly, it's emblematic of them being hostile to the very idea of law. Right, and, and they're lawmakers. A, a, a congressman or woman is also known as a legislator, aka lawmaker. That is a solemn duty. That's serious business. Very. You, you don't go in there with this idea that. You can just fire and brimstone, tear down everything this country was built on, and conduct constant social and economic and political revolutions. Exactly. And keep this country spinning in circles and never never even knowing which way due north is anymore. Exactly. It just doesn't work that way. And the Democrats are really in that last gasp. Right. That 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 uh, ultimate free fall. Right, and hence our hence our title again: Trump's triumph and the Dems' downfall. Maybe Dems' freefall would be even a better term. Maybe so, because, because it seems that they've jumped out of an airplane without a parachute, and willingly have done so. And that's where you see this lawlessness happening, because the actual fact that she destroyed that document is against U.S. Code 18, uh, Section 2071, about the destruction of documents. Yeah, and I read that too, and although you might get a Patrick Philbin or another legal expert to look at it, on its face, it would seem to apply. Yeah. I'm not going to say definitively one way or the other, neither are you, but if you read it, 
it would seem to apply. It doesn't seem to make any exceptions. And that was an official document. It wasn't just some email. It was in an embossed cover. It was the president's official copy of his speech. Now, had she went in some back room uh, later and torn it up and discussed privately, no one would really know, no one would care. But to do it on the screen like she did is just emblematic, once again, of Trump's triumph and their downfall. And it put it out there in public to where that law would seem, I'm just going to say seem, evidently, would apply. And we'll let viewers and listeners be the judge on that. Exactly. But it just shows more of their behavior, more of what they're willing to do, stop at nothing to actually uh, do things with flat-out lies on the Senate floor from the Democrat Party with people like Adam Schiff, who actually lied and again went with over the transcript and his fabricated version of it. It just speaks to the point, Mark, and that's what we're trying to inform the listeners of. It speaks more to the the part, and there is volumes that we can see here that are being assembled of what the the Democrats are doing and how unethical they're doing it. Yeah, the the, the total lack of of, uh, pride in the nation, the total lack of principle, the total lack of integrity. Law. Yeah, the law itself to them is anathema. They, they want to just run and, and rampage through our, our legal system and like a bull in a china shop and just knock everything down, let it catch on fire, and just, and just engage in, in this kind of Marxian revolution, which we've explained in other videos on World Impact News going back into 2019. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's uh, the, and another video we've done that you can see on World Impact News is that this impeachment actually stems back and there's, there's historical markers going back about five years that this is part of a grand coup. And an element of this coup was also simply to try and remove Trump in a way that would exclude the voters. Right. Uh, because all these candidates they have, the, the ones we've mentioned here today, I think know that anybody except Trump, they might have a slight chance. But since Trump is seeking another term, since he wants another term, right. and since he was not removed through conviction uh, as part of the impeachment and indictment process, they know they can't beat him. So the Democratic elections, all the elections we're going to see, New Hampshire's coming up and others, are just going through the motions. And I think deep down they know that. Right. And Nancy's actions were a sign of this ultimate frustration. And that's where, too, Mark, is they make this cry that no one is above the law when actually their behavior and what they're doing, they're not above the law either. But it's this double standard that we see. And so that's why even they're saying, well, why couldn't Nancy Pelosi be removed from office or Schiff be removed from office because he's lying, lying under under oath, lying, you know, presenting false evidence and fake evidence, even going back to as far as the Russian hoax where they said they had mountains of conclusive evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. And so it's just it's this this narrative that they it's a it's lies, but that they would say, well, we can't be removed because our constituents voted us here. Well, guess what? America voted to have Trump as a president, and they're trying to remove the president of the United States that was duly elected by the American people, 
And so it's this double standard that we see. And that's where we continue to see Trump pushing through where he triumphed in this and other things for America and the Dems are on this spiral out of control downfall. Free fall. Free even. fall even. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see a parachute arresting it and I don't see anyone handing them a parachute in the near future. Exactly. Certainly, it, it's, uh, this is an unprecedented pivotal time in American history just as uh, the UK is going through Brexit, another unprecedented pivotal time that we'll talk about in another World Impact News video. But um, yeah, I think that we can summarize this by by saying that in Trump's State of the Union, he listed a a plethora of accomplishments, both yes. past and, and ongoing. Yes, you know, past, present, and future. A plethora of things. I was amazed at the sheer amount of it. Yes, and and we're, you know, we don't wear, wear rose-colored glasses. There are things that deserve a little more scrutiny. He made some very lofty claims, but we know the ones that are true, and that's most of them. Yeah, and that's everywhere from appointing. Uh, upwards of 150 lower court judges and the two Supreme Court judges, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Right. And this is another thing as we wind this up that scares the Dems crazy is that one more conservative chief justice on the Supreme Court would tip the scales more than they've ever been tipped before. Exactly. Along with all the lower court judges. And these things have sticking power beyond Trump's one more term. Exactly. This is what has really been making them nervous. And it's one thing for Trump to do things that can be undone, maybe not too far down the road. And that's another concern that's a rather troubling one. But these other things I'm talking about with the courts cannot be so easily undone. And we can see, we can smell, we can taste the ultimate defeat, another Trump triumph, God willing, the defeat of Roe v. Wade. Toppling Roe v. Wade in in no different than the way the statues of Stalin and Lenin were toppled when the USSR came down. Roe v. Wade's got to go down and stay down. And and you know, as Christians, as Americans, as constitutionalists, this is what we have to strive for. Exactly, Mark. And so, really, as we can see, Trump triumph. We really, the American people, are triumphing, and that is the fact. So we can see so many things happening. The gag orders being removed from pastors and preachers, prayer back into school and public places. There's a lot of things that I think people have either turned a blind eye to or put their head in the sand like an ostrich thinking it's just going to pass them by and everything's going to be okay. But we want you to get involved. And so even in later videos and uh, and, and podcasts we're going to bring on how you can get involved because there needs to be leadership rising up and as well as training the next generation to stand for righteousness, to stand for the Constitution, godly principles. And so that's really what it's about. It's not just to bring you a bunch of information, but that this would be a challenge, a call of action that you would get involved to see impact in your own community your city, your state, and we're going to do a better job, Mark, of getting people the information. We were just in the gov- in Austin, in the state capitol, and meeting with the governor's office and others uh, in the realm of government on how we can actually get involved to see our communities and see this entire state impacted. So that's really our heart behind this. We want you to know that. We're for you, not against you. We're here to help you. But we're not just to give you information and tickle people's ears. 
We're well, going to tell them the truth. And we may not be politically correct in doing so. As a matter of fact, we won't be. Th- that's very true. Yeah, Trump has a lot to uh, move forward on. The China trade deal, the U.S.-Canada-Mexico trade deal. Exactly. Uh, he's pulling back the footprint of the military a little bit, maybe not as much as the non-interventionists would like. There's a a, a deal brewing between Israel and Palestine. The, uh, the Palestinians, we'll see where that goes. Lots of moving parts, lots of dimensions to all this, but lots to be hopeful for. You know, trust but verify, keep our scrutiny up. We don't wear rose-colored glasses, but lots to be hopeful for. And, and I see a, a very bright future ahead and maybe even more political parties getting in Congress finally and becoming a little more di- diverse and getting real diversity rather than pseudo-diversity. That'd be a nice little touch too. Exactly. And so Trump has really stirred things up. Really stirred things up, excuse me. He's triumphed. The Dems are really in a free fall. And um, I think uh, with uh, the way the impeachment turned out, uh, we see America really turning a corner. Exactly. So thank you for watching. Stay tuned for more videos, more segments as we come out. And uh, you can go always go back and watch, like Mark mentioned, some of the other segments we've done before. We just did one recently on border security. Uh, border policy is foreign policy. Make sure to check that one out. It has footage right along the Rio Grande River in South Texas, right on the Mexican U.S.-Mexican border where the new segment of uh, border wall is being built. So there's more and more that we're bringing to you, but we want you to get involved. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 